there, Turn fans. Welcome to another episode of the Turn After Show on AfterBuzz TV. Tonight, we are talking about Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2, Spy Hunter General and the Black Hole of Calcutta. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. We are back. Woo! I didn't realize how much I love and miss this show until I sat down and watched these episodes and went, oh my god, it's back! It is! And it makes me so, so happy. Hey there, all you Turn fans out there. Again, welcome to the After Show here at AfterBuzz TV. Tonight we are talking about the first two episodes of Season 4, and we have a great show for you tonight, and we are joined by two very, very special guests. Let me go ahead and introduce the panel to my left, Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. You can follow me all over the social medias at Kiaxet. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. And to my right, <laughs> I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can tweet at me at the Menguin. That's T-A-G-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. And we have, on the other side of the table, returning guest star champion, Amy Gumnick. Thanks for having me back. Thanks Thank for coming. Thank you so much for joining us. And first time guest on this after show, Josh Price. Woo! Hello. A.K.A. Philomena and Freddie joining us tonight. How are you guys doing? Great. Wonderfully full of pie. (laughs) (laughs) That is always, I think, the optimal state to be in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for for those of you guys watching live, we are going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag ABTVTurn, as well as an eye on the live chat. And, uh, yeah, I feel like Turnland is already in there. Hi, Turn! You made it! Oh, my gosh! I I was so happy to hear that. We were just talking about you and how wonderful you are. All good things. All good things. Hope you're feeling better. (laughs) Thank you so much for making it. Well, guys, let's not waste any time. Season four, how does it feel to be back? Not just back for season four, but back for the final season as well. It's it's great, and... it's the combination of, like, great and sad and exhausting and, oh, buckle up, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if there's kind of one distinct takeaway I'm really kind of getting from these first two episodes, I really do feel like we're gearing up for a curtain call. A lot of plot lines are coming, you know, that were set up in season one are coming back around. We're seeing characters that we haven't seen in a long time. It does kind of feel like we're getting ready for the last hurrah. Very bittersweet. We were talking earlier about how I think in a way, you know, so often shows get canceled kind of surprise. Um, Yes. And while there was definitely like kind of a a cloud hanging over everyone filming this last season knowing that we were approaching the end, um, I think in a way it really gave the writers a chance to kind of wrap things up, which they are certainly doing. No stone will be left unturned. Oh, good. And I mean, it's... It's a history show. We all know right. how this war ends. Like, that's not changing unless we wander into alternate universe territory. <laughs> Boy, I would be down. Enough. But it's the Quentin Tarantino universe. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> of the American Revolution. Dark turn. Yes. <laughs> Knowing, like, the one-sentence summary of how the war ends is very different from seeing everyone's individual stories play Absolutely. out. And that's why we're here. And I feel like every story that we had on both of these episodes was incredibly strong and brought us something new and occasionally horrifying. Like, I feel like previous seasons, we've had some episodes where it's like, most of this was alright, and then there was the one story that was really great, and then these two, it was like, I'm dying, everything is good, oh god, I can't handle this! 
<laughs> for sure. It's it's definitely one of those things where, like I said, it we we've talked a lot on other shows too about how how important it is for actions to have consequences. And when you're dealing with a war, that is integral to dramatic storytelling. And I really feel like that's something this show excels at. Where I, I watch a lot of other shows and I just kind of feel like, okay, well that was a bunch of stuff that happens. But with this show, it feels like there's a lot of weight to the consequences of everyone's actions. Even little things like gossiping to your friend about, you know, this person who came in with your picture could very well have terrible ramifications later on down the road. Uh, so, yeah, let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and <laughs> dig right into that. Okay. Uh, we, we get for the first time, I think... Is it the first time that Peggy and Philomena have been in a room together? I think it might be. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. oh goodness. Now, that was... I, I don't want to say, like, awkward, but no, like, that was <laughs> that was more of, like, an intense sort of situation. Uh, because poor Philomena kind of gets... Uh, kind of gets... Sidelined? I, I'm trying to think of the right word where you're attacked unexpectedly. She definitely was taken. Oh, Peggy just wrecks her. She gets blindsided. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Blindsided yeah. is the word. <laughs> there was so much incredibly polite shade in this whole episode. She's like, oh, God. Can, can you say that in Bully Company? <laughs> wow. She just did. Yeah. So holy cow. So that was the general's wife. That must have been so much fun for you guys. It was getting to play this like catty tete a tete with one another. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it's so you know before I I met Ksenia, all I I, you know she was Peggy and I hated her and then I met her and she's so lovely in every possible way. She's sweet and she's talented and she's gorgeous. I was like, but it's so hard to hate you. But it was so fun, and she, you know, she's just such a giving and gifted actress that the, you know, we just played. It was so, and I think it was oddly satisfying for both of our characters to have the opportunity to just like go for it, just have it out with yeah. one another for sure. Yeah, we've, we've got the live chat going. Uh, Turnland says it was so hard because you really felt for both Peggy and Philomena, but mm-hmm. it was also a lot of fun to watch. And L2 Damon says, "Yeah, getting someone arrested for treason is some next level Mean Girls." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I need that on a shirt. Next level Mean Girls. <laughs> so bad. Oh, but it's it again. It's just such a fascinating thing to watch, and there's so much emotional baggage brought in you know upon this first confrontation mm-hmm. because Peggy has been reunited with her friends for the first time in ages and she comes across not only the love of her life's former lover but also the woman who's responsible for murdering him basically I mean responsible <laughs> played, a, played an integral role in uh, in the killing of Major John Andre. Complicated. <laughs> it's Definitely. a very complicated situation because Peggy didn't want to do that either. That was like a last resort for her. Well I think it's interesting to see from an audience standpoint that I mean we these two women are both in so much pain um, and really for the same reason. I mean, there's a lot of, I think, parallels going on there that they obviously can't see in one another, but um, I think that in a way that kind of, you're not really sure who you're rooting for. Yeah, but this I mean, is... He's super dead. No one wins. 
No one wins. Super tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still getting condolences, Sorry, by JJ. the way. Are you still? <laughs> a friend of mine, uh, yeah, when it, when season three came out on Netflix, she actually texted me in the middle of the workday, and she's like, no! <laughs> oh, no. So sad. Sorry for your loss. But <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, it's super upsetting. Um, and, yeah, and for... Again, it must be really interesting, too, because Freddy, in particular, kind of feels like he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because it's not... It doesn't take, you know, a huge leap in logic to kind of figure out who told who what and wh- how information traveled. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's... I mean, Freddie's more like an observer anyway. And, uh, you know, even if he's feeling sassy or a little catty and wanting to talk, he wants to do that on the sidelines. He's not yeah. so much... Uh, face-to-face confrontation so and even in the episode he doesn't want peggy to go over and cause a polite scene (laughs) well and um and in the in the following scene when philomena approaches peggy after the party he looks like a deer caught in the headlights he's like this is the last (laughs) place i want to be this is the opposite (laughs) of what i want i just want to dress some hairs (laughs) Um, I'm, here. I'm curious to know what the conversation was between Peggy and Freddie that got you to go and actually turn for the in. for the last. Okay, so there there has been Ooh, some like yes. little Ooh. little bits of like discussion about this like online, like you know, like Freddie, like how could you do that? It, honestly, Freddie didn't want to, but you know, you, sometimes when your friends make bad choices. You, kind of just have to ride with him and he certainly felt awkward (laughs) and uncomfortable in that situation but Peggy's been through a lot so it was one of those things like I'm going to do this for you yeah, and but I'm not super happy about doing it, and I feel bad. But sorry, girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's my home girl. That's my home girl first. <laughs> I feel like Freddie might have been strong armed a little bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the wife of the general definitely has some leverage. Oh yeah, because the last thing Freddie wants to do is be in any conversation with uh, Benedict Arnold <laughs> that could incriminate himself. Especially since he's doing the whole "you're a spy" and "you're a spy" and "you're a spy." Everybody's a Spy. I I love. You don't want to wind up on the wrong side of. I love the way it was put. He's he's puffing out his chest Mm -hmm. to like make you know make a statement about the type of job that he's going to be doing. And Benedict Arnold is such a vain character as he's portrayed in this show that like every little uh, offhanded comment made to him or any kind of, as he interprets it, a slight on his honor is just taken to the utmost level of personal vendetta. So yeah, he's definitely not one to to sort of be crossed. And let's talk about that. Conversely, you can lead him around by the nose if you just flatter him a little bit. Which He's one of those people where, I'm so awesome, I'm so awesome, validate me! Which which was how Peggy and Andre were able to manipulate him for so long. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We have commenters like that occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) I've dealt with some players on Overwatch, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, But yeah, talking about Benedict Arnold, I think this is talking about certain uh, particular scenes coming full circle, 
he when we first see him at the party trying to make a good impression, we just see Simcoe observing. And I love the choice that Samuel Roken makes of any time the wheels are spinning in Simcoe's head, he just does this this little finger tap. Yeah. And it's just so funny because that you know the gears are turning. And so if we cut his finger off, do you think he'd still be able no, to think? No, no. That's, <laughs> that's not how that works at all. <laughs> are you sure? Also, it would have very devastating consequences oh. to your person. Well, I mean, he lost an ear and he seems to be doing okay. <laughs> he might grow a, like, a long curly mustache to compensate well. for that. Yeah. And he would go pinky with it, I guess, because he's classy, I guess. For, for some reason, it, though, oh, for yeah. some reason, classy though, evil. with Simcoe, even if he were to do that like straight up stereotypical villain mustache twirl, he would make it look intimidating. I, I would be terrified. <laughs> he is a terrifying man. And and we see that here when Caleb gets captured oh. in this interrogation scene. Oh. Um, you know, because Simcoe's trying to to he's also overcompensating. Both and it's kind of interesting seeing the parallels between him and Benedict Arnold mm-hmm. because they're both very violent men who want nothing more than to achieve glory and, as you put it, validation. And Simcoe being basically shot down by Arnold of like, no, you can just sit and watch the master at work. And then just seeing Caleb absolutely lay into him for being a traitor was wonderful it was hilarious but at the same time it's a wonderful scene of dramatic irony too because he has no idea that Simcoe is hanging out Mm -hmm. a rack focus behind him well and I feel like it really highlights the difference between these two characters and their personality because you have Benedict Arnold you know validate me validate me but he's still very much whole and still relatively sane. And so his ego can still be beaten upon. Whereas Simcoe has been captured and tortured and tortures people and is just kind of horrifyingly nuts. Like the dude is this close to chaotic evil. And so you can go for his ego and he just doesn't care. That's already been broken and spit on. Whatever. He doesn't mind. I'm just going to heat up this little sword in the fireplace. We're going to have some fun tonight. Talking about things that that come full circle. It is such a terrifying moment when, uh, when Simcoe walks into the room because... At the beginning of this series, he was tortured and almost killed by Caleb and Ben. So it, it's really upsetting seeing the tables turn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I think and there I- were so many people who felt, uh, don't do it. Don't you do it. Don't you <laughs> oh. touch my Caleb. That was like the prevailing theme online that night. Yeah. <laughs> you just hear people yelling yeah. on Twitter, no! <laughs> like, oh, friends. Well, mm, and again, no one is safe. Caleb is such a lovable character that he's like the, not that we would want to see any of these characters go through this, but he, for for how much of a lovable, lovable rascalian he is, is the like one of the last people you would want to see in this situation, especially with what his and Simcoe's dynamic has been up until this point. And the question now is whether he'll survive, because that flavor of torture and that level of medical care don't go super well together. Burns can get real bad if not treated correctly, and this is back when people thought putting butter on a burn helped. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Don't ever do the thing. Well, so yeah, I I worry about whether or not he'll make it to the end of the series at this point. 
and and talking about like how how vindictive Simcoe is. He's literally rubbing salt in the wounds. Oh. It's just so upsetting. He's not a nice man. No, kudos. And the sun is slightly warm. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's June right now, and it's super hot outside. <laughs> um, we were going with understatement there. But with uh, kudos to the makeup department, I feel like yeah. we say this at least once a season oh, yeah. because when the show's never been particularly gory, um, but when it decides to go kind of dark and gritty with uh, with again portrayals of war, it can get really dark and gritty. Yeah, and I go ahead. I was just gonna say the the design team in general is, I mean, I think maybe the best in the business. They're incredible. Um, and, you know, in, to in one episode to paint these, like, gorgeous, flawless paintings, basically, and then have a scene like that where it's poor. Caleb <laughs> is, like, literally being just tortured. Um, and it's impossible not to watch that scene and feel... Like, I looked over at one point, I was watching with my husband, and he was, like, holding himself. Like, you <laughs> see, it's so real. Um, and I think that that, you know, for them... So much of the show, they sort of get both extremes. These like gorgeous, like ensemble mm-hmm. dance pieces, and then these and like period piece costumes. Yeah, the whole like complete thing. When we like when you step onto one of those stages Oof. and you walk into one of those rooms, I have to have the adult conversation with myself. And going, <laughs> don't touch that. Don't, don't touch that. Because I want to touch everything. I'm like, that can't be. This is a look. Don't oh, touch yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was equally as sad to say goodbye to all of the cast and crew as I was to my dresses. Yes. <laughs> and they really, every detail, I mean, things that you don't even see in the final cut, like, they, they do not miss anything. They really create, I feel like, you know, as actors, we kind of do, like, 70% of the work, and then the, the rest is sort of what they give us, which is such an incredible gift. I mean, they are Absolutely. just and they were magical. S- they were so great with us on that. Like, even just going in for fittings for Freddie, mm-hmm. it, was, it was like a fashion show. Like, a whole, like, experience. <laughs> they had, like, a like a whole, like, thing of uh, options, and we would try things on, and we'd look, they go, what do you think? And I would look at it, and we would both simultaneously just kind of be like, no, that's not Freddie. <laughs> And then we'd like go on the next thing and we'd be mixing and matching and be like, oh, that's fabulous. And go, that's absolutely the way to go. <laughs> so just that kind of, having that kind of like attention uh, and that kind of yeah. partnership there was, that's so generous and, and it was so lucky to have incredible. that. And it must be so much easier to get into character when you're just immersed in the oh, world yeah. and absolutely. everything is done to that degree of yeah. detail. Uh, speaking of fashion, we get introduced to a character at the start of this episode, Hercules Mulligan! <laughs> I love that they decided to bring him in. I uh, He's just a larger-than-life personality, and I am really excited to see what the show has in store. Oh, man. He is so much fun. And the subtle conversations and the, oh, well, you know, to the discerning eye, this advertisement could be this, like you're a fine French raspberry brandy. And you just see this moment of, oh, God. Oh, um, Townsend. He never asked for it. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I love how they how they did that. And Kelly is fantastic in that role because he, he plays yeah. that kind of, like, I don't even care. Kind of thing. <laughs> it's so delicious. Interrogated for treason? Whatevs. Yeah. That looks good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to 
still look fine. fabulous while doing it. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Well, just the way that scene played out, we see him get followed from his shop. We see him get followed in here, and right after it, you have more allies than you know. He gets dragged out. Like, <laughs> okay. And Townsend has a mild heart attack. Oh. Sounds She's like, so I don't need anymore. Nope, I'm good with the ones yep. I have. We're good. Yep. That was my nice brandy snifter. Why did you do that? Uh, but I, I again, it's one of those things where it, you know Arnold is making a statement, and oh, uh, it it certainly sets a precedent for the rest of season four. It's mm-hmm. like we are at a place where we're not messing around; like mm-hmm. things have gotten to a certain level of serious. And no one is safe. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anytime uh, Philomena is getting arrested for treason and spying, that's when you know, like, okay, nothing safe. Here's the thing, though. I feel like if anybody could talk their way out of a of a treasonous interrogation, it would probably be Philomena. Absolutely. We'll just have to win. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just I be was, sitting there with popcorn tweeting you like, I know it, I know it. <laughs> or, oh no, we don't know how things are going to go. It'll be like pulling Obviously. petals off the flowers. Dead? I'm hoping that she escapes and that Robert Rogers will come to her rescue and then they can go and have adventures together. Oh my god. And if that's not what happens, that's what I'm assuming happens. So that's going to be your fan fiction, right? Yeah, pretty much. John, I'm on board. Well, it's funny, when when I did the first episode, you know, obviously... Everyone, the writers included, I think, were kind of trying to figure out. They obviously knew where they were going in the season, but there was a lot that was kind of being worked out still. So I was like so anticipating like either I hope it's a really good gory like hanging scene or some like op fantasy like that. You're like you never know. <laughs> She's, She's gonna, gonna go, go and become a pirate. <laughs> we're going to be free. Okay. I remember, uh, when we were standing, Cassidy uh, and I standing waiting to shoot that uh, you know scene with uh, Arnold <laughs> before we went out there I, I turned around and I said if you get me killed I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> And action. <laughs> again, we'll wait and see. Yeah, uh, again, talking about how actions have consequences. Yeah. Um, talking about, like, interesting character dynamics, though, I do want to talk about Anna really mm. quick. Um, because she has always, talking about, like, how this show has handled its female characters has always been really intriguing and really fulfilling. And Anna, you know, poor poor her has always kind of been the odd man out, so to speak. She's the only girl in a group of four boys, you know. She's she's constantly the the woman who is getting slut shamed for things that aren't even really her fault and she's gotten a lot of unwanted attention and now that she's at camp it's kind of that same thing of like she's getting slut shamed again and um, while also trying to find various ways of aiding the cause and I kind of I I looked at her kind of getting invested in the stories of the women who hang out at this trading post that she runs. I was very intrigued by that because I'm like, why is she sticking her her neck into a situation that she really, one, has no business in, and two, is really probably going to be more problematic for her than she needs it to be because they should not be hearing about anything that she's contributing to to the culprit ring. That's not anything that anybody needs to know about. It's not that they're traitorous, it's that but they're gossiping. I, I wanted to posit this. Is this Anna taking up a cause, 
Or is this Anna trying to distract herself from the fact that Sila wants to see her? Six and one, half a dozen of the other. I don't know. What did you guys think when you read the script? Well, for... Well, you go, you go. Go for, for it. it. <laughs> you started, do it. Oh, that character is so fantastic. Uh, Heather is incredible in that and brings so much strength to that character. And she's in, in such an unenviable position mm. the entirety of the series. And and I think you bring that it up beautifully. That was underappreciated. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you bring that up beautifully with the slut shaming and Satakit. And then once she gets to camp as well, she can't escape. No, yeah, she it's just, everywhere. And she, but she and she almost. I mean, in that tent scene, she just kind of says, "Screw it, let them think what they're going to think," mm-hmm. because there's more important things right now. And that that takes a certain amount of strength, knowing what people are saying and that they're going to say it, and then still persisting anyway. Nevertheless, yeah. she persisted. I like right. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a really interesting piece of history. You know, we don't really hear about that side of things. We don't know what ha- really went on with the women. And I think the fact that Anna sort of gets to be that voice um, and, you know, it's maybe a mini revolution. Like, she's starting this little movement, but like we talked about before, like actions have consequences. And I think that it says a lot about her character. Um, You know, I wonder if there is an element of uh, things are kind of spiraling out of control and there probably is a lot of questioning as to like, you know, whose side am I on? Am am I doing good work? Am I a lot of like internal conflict that maybe she does need a cause, like something to feel She's like, let, good about let me find something I can fix. Yeah. And if I can fix this thing, I'll fix the problem in my in my own life. Yeah. Well, and we've had this through line with her that started, I believe, last season where she was useful in Satakit. She took um, initiative in Satakit. She was essentially the backbone of the ring, says uh, Kara Smith in chat, while she was in Satakit. Mm-hmm. And now that she's been moved to the camp, they're dismissing her ideas, they're dismissing her opinions, and we got that in a microcosm when they were arguing over the plan of attack, over the map. There's cover here. Well, no, there isn't. Okay, who lived there? So, her identifying with the camp followers and her trying to fix something might just be an outlet for... They don't want me in the Culper ring anymore. They say I'm important, but they act like I'm not. So yeah, I can do she, this. She do, she's never really had a group to belong to because she's not. She's when when it comes to the women in the camp, she's not one of them because because of all of the gossip and because she is privy to all this information and you know meetings with uh, with Talmadge and everything like that, but at the same time, because she's a woman, she's not really one of the guys either. I think the closest that we get is this group of friends, but even then, because she's the girl, because Abe had feelings for her, like, there's still, there's still a lot of baggage, and so she's just perpetually the one person who doesn't really have anywhere to belong to. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a tough position for her and it, the show does a great job of kind of highlighting yeah. highlighting that struggle because it doesn't matter how capable she is how savvy she is uh, how great her ideas are she's always going to be on the periphery in terms of the way they view her contribution if not overtly still kind of in the back of their minds because even she gives the with only hearing about it for a second she comes up with the idea add money into that for that right. trade and they've been planning Ask this and working ransom. on it yeah <laughs> And that, that becomes a vital piece of it. And she had that information Don't for, what, stupid. a second? 
Yeah. <laughs> like you're overselling his value. Ask for some money. I, I love yeah. I love the the thing where he's like, that's a good idea. And she's like, yeah, I apparently <laughs> still have those. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> uh, but you know who does appreciate her contributions? Martha. Yeah. Martha Washington. And I loved seeing her in this episode. And the I Genesis love. Genesis of the Spork. Yes. I love yes. That <laughs> Well, and also uh, the the basically the prelude to her big contribution, yeah. um, and and I love that, and I love that anytime she's in a scene, Washington just you can just tell he adores this woman, like, and it's something that you don't really think about when you think of our founding fathers or even just marriages in this time period, but like he adores adores her and she adores him and it's just one of those things where it's just like hashtag relationship goals like oh my goodness they are just a treat to watch it's fantastic and just her talking about her seeing the spork her being willing to trade as opposed to taking advantage Mm -hmm. of her position and then bringing it back and having speech about you know they see things differently than we do they come up with different solutions because of that maybe we need a different solution here maybe we need another angle Perspective. perspective. <laughs> um, I do also want to bring up that Abigail's at camp at the mm-hmm. at the very beginning, and um, we don't get a ton from her. But it sounds like she is going to leave for Canada because Cicero's getting to that age where he wants to he wants to enlist and fight and contribute to the cause. And Mom's like, Yeah, no, let's mm. let's just go. And there's not really anything for her here anymore, anyway. And then, who should come out of the woodwork? But Akinbenay! I've missed him so much. And I I had actually been afraid for the past two seasons that we were never going to see him again. Well, he was on another show. Yeah, he was on Underground. That's Um, what I thought, yeah. Yeah, Adalis, he was on on Underground. And so I was like, oh, production schedules, it's never going to happen. Like, that that's a plot thread that will never get resolved. And then, sure enough, here he is! I was so happy. That reveal was fantastic. Oh, I told Craig, I was like, you nailed that yeah. one. Because even though we've read the script and we know what's about to happen, I still didn't know until I saw it. I was like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> oh, Thank his you. His eyes are so powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, huh. My, and like, yeah, with the, the hat, hat and everything, so he just dramatic. looks so cool. And I can't... And then immediately gets brought down a peg or two. Although, oh shoot, I didn't even think about this. He he was a deserter of the Queen's Rangers, and he's hanging around Benedict Arnold's house, and you know who's keeping tabs on Benedict Arnold? Simcoe! Simcoe. No! No! Get out of there! <laughs> <laughs> Go anywhere that's not here! Well, and we also get that bit about um, Washington isn't letting anyone leave. Doesn't matter if you have papers. Once you're there, you're stuck. Yeah. That's what happens when you're in a spy organization. Ooh. These things do happen. Um, I uh, Talking about the Culpa ring itself, we probably should move on over to Sataka and talk a little bit about Abe and Richard's relationship because it has gone through such a dramatic and drastic change mm-hmm. over the course of the past season. And, you know, 
this is something that we have been waiting for since the show started. I remember, like, day one or two of this after show, we were like, so how long until Richard gets on board with the spy ring? Like, <laughs> he's got to contribute, right? There has to... there Took has a to, while. Because we have Culper, and we know from history that there's a Culper senior and a Culper junior. He's got to get involved. Turns out it wasn't even him. That was really funny. The slow burn has been worth it, though. And I love that it took Simcoe and everything just going completely insane last season to be the last straw. To be like, you know what? No, I'm I'm no longer a Kingsman because other Kingsmen have made things terrible for this entire stupid town. But I like that it's not uh, talking about you know layers with this show and complexities and how how interesting it is and how difficult it can be to change. He doesn't just do a heel face turn. He still thinks that even though this is a war, good men can get out unscathed and that's not that's not that's how not it true. works. And Maybe. it's it's so <laughs> it's so upsetting seeing how hard he's working to try to make to one, keep Abe from making terrible mistakes, because as we've established time and again, he's the worst spy. He's the absolute worst spy. He was so overconfident in these two episodes. Like, nothing could possibly go wrong. You were on the gallows two episodes ago, dude. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, he, so trying really hard to make sure Abe doesn't make any sloppy decisions while they're engaging in these plans, but at the same time also trying to keep any of the soldiers who saved his son's life from getting murdered as well, because ultimately, at the end of the day, they're also good men. They they brought Simcoe's tyranny to an end and have been doing their best to treat the town fairly. And if you bring in a nice leader and you have him murdered, you might get a despot next time. His, Again. Yeah, his his replacement probably isn't going to be too kind. And I love uh. that about what Richard does. And Anna mm-hmm. highlights that in the previous season where she talks about, you know, being a good man, Hewlett being a good man on the wrong side. It's It's, you know, Richard's injection of humanity into the savagery of war is really important and that's a great lesson for Abe to kind of carry forth to not become Simcoe because he could go down that slippery slope. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Of, like, just the complete dismissal of, this is how it's done. It's like, well, it doesn't always have to be. You don't yeah. have to go in guns blazing, especially as a spy. That should be your last resort. Well, and I love Richard shoring up the plan, like, well, we're going to bring the officers over, and we're going to get them drunk, and it'll be great. Well, I'm going to make this... Uh, we're going to double book, we're going to make it sound terrible, and then we're going to have everyone show up at a completely different location tomorrow morning and act all reasonable and see if we can't get this figured out. So they're away from the fort. It doesn't look like they're involved. It looks like, well, I'm the magistrate and we're going to be reasonable and we're going to sit down like reasonable adults and talk all of this out while all of your stuff is getting burned down. Um, (laughs) And also, I still make a profit. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Again, very interesting character. It's it's not that he's a bad person. He's just, he sees an opportunity and he takes it. I also think that in the midst of all of this history that the writers have done such an incredible job of really sharing the relationships and showing us a human personal side to each character. Um, And that's, you know, you don't, granted, some of it is fabricated for the show, but I think that that, that's a piece that invests the audience in a different way. 
um, that you know you're you're not just watching a history channel yeah. um, that you really and in this season in particular just in the first two episodes there's I mean so many little tiny nuances that I just think create such a beautiful world and that's a testament to like to Craig and Latoya oh, yeah. Morgan and the rest of the group they just they they craft it out so mm-hmm. smartly and they plan ahead with the certain things so when you see something very small in a previous episode and that shows up later and just kind of hit you you're like all right well done guys it's (laughs) definitely a show that once it's over i will watch again Mm -hmm. because there's so many little details that you just miss yeah it's it's one of those things where i can't quite put my finger on it but when i watch this show it makes me feel things in a way that a lot of other shows don't and it's something that strangely enough only turn seems to do there are plenty of shows i'm invested in uh, that make me cry that that i am you know uh, my that break my heart all sorts of other things but for whatever reason i and i think it is because it's just so immersed in the world that they create like like I said, it's just I can't really put my finger on it. I can't really describe it. But watching Turn is like watching no other show right now. And, and like I said, I can't quite quantify it, but it's there, and I'm going to be very sad to see it go. Well, and I usually multitask while I'm watching TV. I'll do chores or I'll be messing around with something. Turn is one of the only things yeah. I watch where I'm like, everything's <laughs> off. Right, I'm in it. I'm in it. Let's do this. Because if you miss a second of it, you're completely lost. We were yeah. we were literally talking about that like right before we uh, came in today. It really yeah. does have that kind of impact. Yeah. You turn around to get more popcorn, and it's like, what? Yeah, wait, whose side are you on? Yeah. Yeah. And you would, and uh, it's so funny too, because on paper, you would think watching a show about, you know, hay negotiations and, you know, uh, back payments and bankruptcies and things like that, you would think that, like, listening to characters talk about these things in the context of history would be so dull and so dry and like I'm having flashbacks to my AP history class (laughs) (laughs) and like you think it would be so burdensome to watch but at the same time like watching this show you realize how big a deal like all of those things are those things that you would look at in your history book and go I don't need to know that or like ugh Whatever, that's not going to be on the test. Well, if you look at your history book, it's presented like chess pieces or a map. I mean, it, you get all the movements, you get all the reasons, you get the victories and the defeats. None but of the humanity. Exactly, and this is a full-on drama. It's it's an odd comparison, but it's also why sports anime works so well. Because yeah. it's like, all right, we're, we're watching sports, that's great. But then you get into this and you get people's internal monologues and you get dramatic <laughs> camera shots. And you're just like, I am really invested as to whether this teenager wins this ten. Match. What the hell? And and that's what this does, but with history. And yeah, in the same way, you're like, I really want to know: Is Martha Washington going to be her successful in her letter writing campaign to finance the war? And you're like, What am I just talking about? <laughs> I know that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. It should be like mandatory viewing for all history classes. And it's like the spork but, was important, and we get yeah. those at Taco Bell. They're like, Oh, it's a spork. It's funny. Like, Oh my God, the spork was important. Even just Invisible Ink, you know, it's a novelty right. for children now, yeah. but, like, back in the day, that's how wars were won. Well, it wasn't commonly known information. Like, everyone knows you take lemon juice, you write on a piece of paper, and then you put it over heat, and it's like, oh, hey, there it is. Like, back then, we didn't have the internet. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the first the first episode that I did, Craig saying that in the writer's room there's a sign on their like main board uh, that says this is not a history lesson. And so I thought that was so interesting to right. take something that's so I mean clearly based in history and so important and yet remove the pressure of recreating the history books and doing it instead doing it in a way that is approachable and accessible to everyone. But at the same uh, time, isn't dumbed down. Exactly. Like, such a smart show. Oh, yeah. Um, L2 Damon in chat puts it in a way I really like. History books present history as predetermined outcomes. This is a collection of people who didn't know if any of it would work. Mm. Absolutely. Cool. Well said. Yes. I think that's a wonderful way of putting the drama in context, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm sad to say it, guys. We are running a little short on time. We got started a little late. Uh, We've got so like seven minutes. Is there <laughs> anything else we we want to talk about in this episode before we move into some predictions? Well, chat's Ooh. on about a minute delay, so we'll give them a little. Time you know what? To catch let's up. do. Let's go ahead and talk about iTunes real quick, folks. Thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you. It is the best way to let our producers know that you guys like the show that we're putting on. It keeps the lights on here at the studios, keeps us at these fancy desks, and if you guys do leave a comment, you might even get a shout-out on the show, like these fine people did during the break. Yeah, we have two over the hiatus. We have Love Turn and Enjoy This Podcast by Corgi Hart. I look forward to this podcast after every episode of Turn. Great job. Hopefully we'll get another season of this fantastic show. Hey, here we are. Got it. And we have Big Fan of Keith Black by Jersey Dante. (laughs) I'm enjoying this podcast so much, it really enhances my viewing experience to slow down the binging and listen to what Keith has to say. He always has great <laughs> insights. Thank you. He um, does, and we love him, and I probably should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but sadly, Keith actually won't be able to join us for the foreseeable future. He is smack dab in the middle of a producing project right now, guys. So yeah. hopefully he'll be able to join us soon, but right now he's a little bit swamped. But uh, yeah, if you want to keep up with him, he's at Keith W. Black on Twitter. And if you, we love your iTunes reviews. Uh, keep in mind they do keep they do take a couple of days to come up. So if you leave one the day before the show, we might not see it before that show. And also, if you leave a review in an iTunes store that is not the American iTunes store, please screen cap that and put that in the hashtag on Twitter that is ABTV Turn. Those are a little more difficult for us to find, but we do love those. So if you put them in the hashtag, they're much easier for us to see. So let's go ahead and move on into predictions. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no light show. <laughs> well, I feel like we've made this joke. Obviously, they win the war. Everybody wins happily ever after. What? Everybody gets happily ever after, right? No, no consequences. I am <laughs> expecting at least a third of the cast to be dead by the time Ooh, we're who's done. Who's gonna die? Uh, That's a fun I don't know. It's it's like doing fantasy football picks, Game of Thrones style. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I, I feel bad because obviously we don't want any spoilers, and you guys know more than we do. So I'm not I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I have to say right now I'm <laughs> really blink worried. Blink for yes, blink for no. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, but I'm really worried about Philomena. I think, like I said, if anybody can weasel her way out of it, I feel like she can act her way out. But 
at the same time, Peggy is gunning for her, and it's going to be really interesting to see how how that shakes out, especially with how easily Peggy's able to lead Arnold. Um, as far as everything else goes, I feel like the exchange with Caleb is just not going to go well, oh, no. especially because Simcoe knows who Culper is now. He was like again, this character is so smart. It, almost like to his detriment because he's, he's so seen smart. The script. <laughs> he's seen the script. <laughs> well, he wrote the script. <laughs> I think if he wrote the script, things would not oh, have God. gone nearly as badly <laughs> for him as they did. And Simcoe and Anna lived happily ever after in their new <laughs> empire, <laughs> Simcoe Land. Simcoe Land. <laughs> Oh, man. So that's going to be very interesting to see how all that shakes out. And I think the thing we need to touch on is the very last shot that we got in episode two with, well, thanks for all the names that you gave me when I was torturing you. Do we, first of all, who did he give up? And secondly, and more importantly, did he give anyone up? Or is that Simcoe just messing with him while he's vaguely conscious? We don't know. I feel like that's just Simcoe messing with him. I I feel like that's just him messing with him because that's what he does. He, he just it's all manipulation. He's just, a, he's just a very mean man. See, <laughs> I would like to think that, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. No, and that's again the beauty of a scene like that is that it is ambiguous. You don't know, mm-hmm. and that's again how you keep the tension high. Um, well, you I, keep your viewers flipping tables. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that does it for predictions. I want to say thank you guys so so much for coming on. Is there are there any projects you guys have coming up that you can tell us about? I know okay. I know with NDAs and when things are in development and the the season. I believe it's I don't know if it's still in production. I don't know production schedules, but yeah. With is there anything you guys can talk about? Um. Not really. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, stuff and things and things and stuff. Yeah, things and stuff. Some writing projects, some development projects, uh, but uh, nothing really that can be talked about too much yet. Yet, yes. Yeah. But yeah. but same things or, are yeah things are happening, and that's good. Happening. So people should keep an eye out. Um, I guess just they're getting a fashion-based turnstile. <laughs> oh, I mean, he I did, he did the, fix my hair before we started rolling. I would yeah. watch the crap out of that. <laughs> the spinoff um, is going to be Freddy Salon Secrets and Sass. I, oh, I was thinking like Satakit's next top model. Yes, I was just I was thinking, thinking Real Housewives of uh, the 1776 got, New there's, York. There's been a lot of talk about the Real Housewives. <laughs> I would watch the crap out of a seven, uh, 1700s <laughs> reality TV show starring Freddy. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, there'd be so much shade. <laughs> I need it in my life. Shade and sass <laughs> and so much <laughs> fun. Um, I guess then, do you guys just have any final thoughts on um, the start of the season and how it's been working on the final season? Or anything you'd like to say to the fans that are watching and or listening? Wow. Everything? Yeah, all of it. Um, I know I just feel so, so fortunate. When I auditioned for this role, I was told it would maybe be two or three episodes at best, and here we are. Um, And I I just could not be more grateful to the creative team, to the writers, to the fans, being part of this, really, and I'm not just saying this because we're talking about turn, but as an artist has been such a huge gift. I mean, they're really, the ensemble on this show is truly like no other um, and I think 
I'm going to miss them. Uh, it definitely kind of spoils you when you get to work with people who are so giving and, and grateful for the work that well, it's over. But I'm sure it's not over. Just this is over. But we, we will yeah. we'll find other things. I, I think you said that <laughs> perfectly. And like, uh, like for Freddie, that was supposed to be a one-off. I mean, it was just like a one-episode situation. And for the fans to have supported that character and and been so kind and generous mm-hmm. towards me means a lot. And uh, I'm going to give a little special shout out to Latoya Morgan, Latoya! one of the yes! one of the writers. Freddie, if anybody noticed, got a last name this season. Uh, his last name Morgan, and that is Latoya's last name. And that especially meant a lot to me. And that was a really cool kind of thing. Uh, so, but. Getting to work with the group of people, every aspect of it, from the people that were in hair and makeup and wardrobe and on the set, the actors, it was family. It really was. You never felt, no matter how small your part to play was, you never felt small. And I think one of the interesting things about this being the last season, and we've already seen in the first two episodes, that they really are, it's like a family reunion. Everyone's coming back. Yeah. And so I think that that's such a cool thing to be part of, to sort of, I don't know, get to, we all kind of get our farewell, which is Mm -hmm. unique. Yeah. And even though it's hard to watch, um, I am very much looking forward to seeing how everything wraps up. And Latoya's in chat. She says, yeah. Yes, I love you, Latoya. Oh, my God. Hi, Latoya. Love, love to Josh, Amy, and all the fans. Oh, love you, I think on that note, I think it's time to go ahead and wrap up. Starting at that end of the table, Josh, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? Oh, on uh, all the social media, you can find me at actor Josh Price. Amy. Actor Josh Price. Uh, sorry, that's <laughs> <laughs> I also am on all of the social media at Amy Gumenick, which is difficult to spell, A-M-Y-G-U-M-E-N-I-C-K. That goes for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I just joined Snapchat. Don't really know how to use it yet, but also at Amy Gumenick. Yeah, I'm technically on there, but I don't know. I don't do it. I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is that filters are involved, and that's about it. I think that's a lot of Snapchat users. I'm there, but... Yeah, yeah. although Josh did teach me how to uh, do dub smash... So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for that. There will be some fun term dub smash videos being posted soon. <laughs> Just saying. Spoiler oh, I alert. can't wait. Oh, I am down. <laughs> I am Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias and on YouTube at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I've got a couple shows here. We do Robots in Disguise on Tuesdays. Red vs. Blue is once a month. I believe our next one is on the 29th. 29th, <laughs> right before RTX, you guys. It's going to be super great. I'm also on a YouTube channel called Silver Screams. We talk about horror stuff. Woo! Do the thing when the stuff. It's great. And I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I am also on a bunch of shows here at After Buzz and I write articles for the movie. Check that's Check with 2Ks. Be sure to check those out. Be sure to also check out the latest episode of the Shadow Radio Recreation where I do the voice of Margaret Lane. Thank you guys so, so much for watching. We are so excited to talk about the rest of this season. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Bye. See you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.